As we enter into the season of Lent, the 40 days and six Sundays that we use to prepare our hearts for Easter, for the celebration of the resurrection, I invite you this week to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. Um, Mark is in the New Testament, so after you're through Haggai, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, or Habakkuk, Zephaniah, um, once you're in the easy ones to pronounce and remember, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, um, find the book of Mark. We'll be in Mark chapter 1 this morning. And one thing maybe to note about Mark's gospel in particular is it's like the spark notes version of the gospel. It goes quick. And so even as you hear this story of Jesus going into the wilderness to be tempted, you might think, I know more details about this story, but they're not here. They're in the other gospels. However, Mark is, is expressed to the point of just the main events of Jesus' life. And so we're going to start in the Gospel of Mark this week, following this quick-paced entry from baptism to wilderness to proclaiming the gospel. And it goes fast. We'll be in other Gospels throughout the season of Lent, but our focus will be on confronting our own wilderness. To go into the wilderness, for one, just as Jesus went into the wilderness, but also to confront our temptations, to know our hearts, our greatest strengths, and our deepest pitfalls and weaknesses. So as we do so, I invite you to hold, um, hold Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15 open. Before we read God's word this day, let's pray together. Speak, O Lord, for we, your servants, are ready to listen. Move within our hearts that we may not turn away from the direction that you're trying to point us to. Speak and guide us in such a way that we cannot ignore the conviction that we feel or the tug upon our hearts. Deepen our understanding of who you are and deepen our understanding of who we are that we might more faithfully and fully follow you. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, illumine your word to us this day. Amen. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent. And believe the good news. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you want to show someone that you care for them, that you love them, it often means you have to put a little bit of effort into it. Now, if I were going to uh, 
say, give the Rossage family, you're right up front. If I was to say, you know, I really appreciate the Rossage family, maybe I'll, maybe I'll give them some cookies. That, that sounds pretty good. And now you're all thinking, I wish I would have sat further up front. Bruce and Pastor Audrey have it down pat too. But if I were to just grab a carton of eggs and some flour and some vanilla extract and just kind of toss it their way, it's not exactly a loving gesture. It just means that I've given them the potential for a cookie and I've just kind of tossed it at them. Don't worry, Hank, there's no eggs in there. It just means that I've tossed the potential for a cookie at them. But I haven't actually taken any time to take stock of what ingredients I might have. It doesn't communicate love just to to take the potential for a cookie and throw it at someone and say, hey, I really care about you all. Here's some ingredients. But how different of a story would it be if you first went into the kitchen cupboard and took stock of the ingredients that you have? Maybe realize there's something that you need that you don't yet have. And so you go out and you get the things that you need to make the best possible cookie that you can. And in the process of making it, you don't just throw everything together, but you look at what amount of each ingredient is needed for the best possible ratio, for the best possible cookie. Now, we're not legalistic about it. We don't have to be so granular down to, you know, the last ounce and dash of flour. But we do want to care enough that we measure things out, that they are in a good amount per ingredient. And that we take care to to put cookies on a cookie sheet and put them in the oven and give watchful and attentive care to them to make sure that we don't burn them, that we keep a good eye on everything. That in so doing, we can take them out of the oven, that we have beautifully, beautifully brown cookies that we can put on a platter and give to people and say, I care about you, I appreciate you, who doesn't like a cookie? It takes effort and intentionality to do so. And there's something about the season of Lent and going into the wilderness and taking 40 days to prepare to get our hearts ready for Easter that I actually find very similar to baking a cookie. Because if we were just to kind of haphazardly say, you know what, this is my life, this is how it is, Lent is just 40 days, just like any other 40 days, it doesn't really matter, we lose any kind of intentionality. And I would note if, well, this day is the same as any other, that's true in a very direct um, Earth's orbit kind of way. It also means that Easter is just another sunrise and sunset or Christmas, or your birthday, but that we have these times and seasons and these symbols to remind us to guide and direct our hearts towards Easter, and that we, just like someone baking a cookie, takes intentional time, that just before you bake something, you take stock of the ingredients you have, that as we enter into this season of Lent, we do take a look at our own lives, that we take stock of what we have, And maybe we notice that there's something that is missing. Maybe we take notice that there's really no time for Scripture reading. There's not really time carved out for prayer. Maybe we notice that we are not engaging intentional fellowship that we're growing alongside of someone else. That maybe we need that accountability. That maybe we need a life group to join, to gather with other believers that iron may sharpen iron. 
that we take stock of the ingredients, that we put them together, and once again, not legalistically, but that we do notice what is the ratio of time in our day and what portion of what amount of time does God get. And that we take this 40 days of preparation not to feel bad about ourselves, but to be intentional, to be careful. We don't just throw ingredients and say, this is how it is and I'm not going to do anything about it, but that we carefully craft our lives through spiritual disciplines like fasting, scripture reading, prayer, the giving of gifts in generosity, that we do these things in preparation. I believe that God wants a cookie from each of us, metaphorically speaking. And Lent is the time to bake those carefully, to take your time, to pay attention to your life, just as we heard the invitation on Ash Wednesday, to not just throw everything around, but to come and reflect. Take the time to measure things out. I know for some, fasting is a practice that we give up on very easily. Because maybe you set out, you know what, Ash Wednesday is coming. It already has been here now. But you've still got 36 days left if you haven't started yet. But sometimes we try to fast from something, and you know what, tomorrow you break your fast. You partake of the thing you said you were going to give up for Lent. That's okay. Start over. Tomorrow is a new day. It's like if you were baking a batch of cookies, one batch for 40 days in a row, and you bake and you burned one batch, it doesn't mean that you throw out all the dough that you made or that you burn intentionally every other batch. You burned one batch of cookies. So what? Throw them in the trash, figure out what you learned, and start over. Put the next batch of cookies on for the next day. Lent should be the same way where we do take time to fast and to pray, to read scripture. And on the days where we didn't quite get it all the way right, all the way we said we did, we might pay attention and learn something about ourselves on why it was. Maybe our fasting is very circumstantial. Or maybe the practice that we're trying to incorporate into Lent doesn't have the time and space it needs because there's something else in the way. We learn these things about ourselves. As we go into Lent, if we treat it as a wilderness that needs to be explored and that we need to confront the temptations of our own life. Lent can be a time that we go into remembering our identity. That so great is the love that God has lavishly poured out upon us that we should be called children of God. That we are sons and daughters of the King of the universe by God's love and grace. And this is to be celebrated And in in the text in Mark, we see that Jesus is baptized and the declaration over him is made. This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. That declaration and identity has been declared and is held on to. And we, as we go into Lent, also hold on to the identity that is spoken over us in the waters of baptism and that every single time a child is baptized or an adult is baptized, we hear again the words that are true for us. We start with our identity, firm and knowledgeable, but we go into the wilderness of Lent, knowing who we are, but facing our temptations, confronting our addictions, making space for God that maybe has been a little bit absent lately. And then we emerge on Easter Sunday, hopefully having learned a few things or having practiced sacrifice. But one thing that should be incredibly striking to us 
is that Jesus didn't proclaim the gospel. He did not proclaim the gospel until he was baptized and had been tempted in the wilderness. Then and only then does Jesus go out and proclaim the good news. So despite our spiritual ambition that we may sometimes have, we're ready to storm the gates of hell and and overcome and, and create miracles. First, we need to know our identity, go into the wilderness, and then emerge with new practice in mind. Maybe for some, it's just a simple fast to practice some kind of sacrifice in a world of abundance and comfort and pleasure, simply to give something up so that we can practice sacrifice in some small way mirroring Christ's sacrifice, just as the 40 days of Lent are mirrored after Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness, which echoes back to the 40 years of wilderness wandering that the Israelites had. These 40 days may seem like a while. Some might confront addictions during the season of Lent because the difference in saying, I can give that up anytime I want and actually giving it up for 40 days, the difference is truth and proof. So maybe someone said, do you need to watch that every day? Do you need a drink every night? Do you always have to get the last word? Oh, no, no. Try giving that up for 40 days. See what happens. Practice the fast. And on the days that we mess up, chalk it up to one burnt batch of cookies that we toss out, we learn something new, and we try again the next day. Because those who fast regularly will tell you that you should start out by practice fasting. You don't start out perfecting fasting. Going into the wilderness does not mean that we instantly have spiritual epiphanies by this coming Thursday. But it does mean that we're creating habits to follow Christ more closely. Know your identity, go into the wilderness, and emerge with new knowledge of self and new knowledge of God. Yes, Easter is another day like any other day, but it is a loaded day. Of meaning. And Lent is a 40 day period, just like any other 40 days, of sunrises and sunsets, the seriolus of the earth and the orbit. But the benefit is great in making this time intentional, applying yourself to a discipline, fasting, or creating better time in your schedule, like swapping out Netflix for Bible reading. In essence, put intentionality into your spiritual life. And make use of the symbols that we already have. Now, we use symbols all the time. A big red octagon means what? Stop. Even if it wasn't labeled, well, it's a good thing they are, but even if it wasn't labeled, you'd know. You know when you come up to a stoplight, green, yellow, red. We know what these things mean. We live in a world of symbols. Elevator buttons may just have an arrow on them. It might not say going up or going down. But we know symbols. A large piece of fabric with different colored dyes and cloth, we see, and we don't just see fabric, we see a flag, and we instantly know what nation it represents. Just as we watch the Olympics, these flags are symbols. But when we, as Christians, approach the season of Lent, make use of the symbols that we have. 
Because long before technological advancements, before a global economy, uh, before there is any kind of electronic, um, electronic symbolism, there is the symbols of water for having our sins washed away. There is the symbols of a candle reminding us that Christ is our light. There is the bread and the cup given to us by Jesus to remind us that it was his body and his blood that was broken and shed for us. Make use of these symbols, of these 40 days to be a spiritual journey of wandering in the wilderness, to explore what temptations you have. Maybe sometimes making progress and at other times simply learning something new about how deeply layered our lives and addictions can be. But in all of this, I invite all of us, and I need to hear this myself, to go into the wilderness remembering our identity, remembering that Jesus first was baptized, that it was declared over him that he was God's son, and that God was well pleased with him. So go with penitence and and desire for intentional repentance, but also go into Lent fully assured of God's love and grace for you. And with that in mind, practice sacrifice just as Christ practiced sacrifice for us. Be mindful of the ingredients in your own kitchen for the cookie that you're going to make. Once a year, we go into the wilderness. Once a year, we encourage fasting. And just a reminder, no one's going to make you fast or do anything that you don't want to do. Because the benefit is self-giving, just as many consequences are self-punishing. We come into the season to simply take stock. Take stock of the ingredients in your life. Notice what you have or don't have. Be mindful of how the ingredients are mixed together and be intentional. And in so doing, offer the best gift to God that you possibly can. But as we go, we first come to the table. We first come to the table to have a good meal. Because when people fast, oftentimes they have a good meal before they begin. Now, that's different from Fat Tuesday, the day where you're supposed to, you know, just gorge on whatever it is that you're giving up. That kind of defeats the purpose to begin with. But there is a normal practice of fasting where you do make sure that you have a good, healthy meal to sustain you before you enter into the season of fasting. And for us, that season is Lent from whatever you might be giving up or taking on. So we come to the table this morning to have a good meal. And then, not on the first Sunday of March or any other time, we won't have communion again until Easter Sunday. It is our hope and prayer that these 40 days may be meaningful, that you may individually and with others grow in your faith, grow in your relationship with God, that the Easter morning when we celebrate the resurrection may be that much better. And if nothing else, we will celebrate the resurrection nonetheless. But the benefit is great for those who come with intentionality. All the difference from throwing ingredients around to making a really good cookie. And so, beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Supper that we are about to celebrate is a feast of remembrance, communion, and of hope. 
We come in remembrance that our Lord Jesus Christ was sent by God the Father into the world to assume our flesh and blood and fulfill for us all obedience to the divine law, even to the bitter and shameful death of the cross. It is by his death, his resurrection, and his ascension that he established a new and eternal covenant of grace and reconciliation that we might be accepted by God, never forsaken by him, but called his own children, sons and daughters of the King. We come to have communion with the same Christ, who is promised to be with us always, even to the end of the world. In the breaking of the bread, he makes himself known to us. And in the cup of blessing, he comes to us as the true vine in whom we must abide if we are to bear fruit. We come in remembrance of what Christ has done. We come in communion with the living Christ. And we come in hope, knowing full well that the world is not as it should be. But we come with hope, nonetheless, believing that this bread and this cup are a pledge and promise of the feast of love that we will partake fully when Christ's kingdom has fully come and when with unveiled face we shall behold him and be made like him in his glory. Since by his death, his resurrection, and his ascension, Christ has obtained for us the life-giving spirit that unites us all into one body, So we are to receive this supper in true love, mindful of the communion of saints. Friends, would you pray with me? God, holy and right it is, and our joyful duty to give thanks to you at all times and in all places. You are our Lord, our creator, the almighty and everlasting God. You created heaven with all its hosts and the earth with all its plenty. You have given us life, and being, and preserve us by your providence. And you have shown us the fullness of your love in sending into the world your Son, Jesus Christ, the eternal word made flesh for us and for our salvation. For the precious gift of this mighty Savior who has reconciled us to you, we praise and bless you, O God. With your whole church on earth and with all the company of heaven, we worship and adore your glorious name. You are the Holy One, the God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Most righteous God, we remember in this supper the perfect sacrifice offered once on the cross by our Lord Jesus Christ for the sin of the whole world. In the joy of his resurrection, in an expectation of his coming again, We offer ourselves to you as holy and living sacrifices, proclaiming the mystery of our faith, that Christ has died, but Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Send your Holy Spirit upon us now, we pray, that the bread which we break and the cup which we bless may be to us the communion of the body and blood of Christ. Grant that being joined together in him, we may attain to the unity of the faith and grow up in all things into Christ our Lord. And as this grain has been gathered from many fields into one loaf, and these grapes from many hills into one cup, grant, O Lord, that your whole church may soon be gathered from the ends of the earth into your kingdom. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. 